Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA. Normally we have our favorite Texan, Tim McMahon, on, but due to a scheduling problem caused by me, uh, McMahon was uh, unable to join us, so stepping in as our second favorite Texan, I mean you're sort of our co-favorite Texan, is Kurt Colesbury, who's joining us from Austin. Kirk, how are you? I'm great. Happy Halloween to everybody out there. And uh, we are uh, also joined by uh, Massachusetts' finest, uh, Jackie McMullen. Hi, Jackie. How are we doing, Brian? Good. How are we doing? So, Jackie, you had a fantastic story this week that you spent uh, a week reporting. Actually, longer than that, I think. But uh, you were you were in in uh, Brooklyn for a week on on the Nets. Mm-hmm. And it was a story about the the Nets culture, and to me, what I found interesting about it was the story about um, uh, really sort of the background story about how Kyrie, DeAndre Jordan, and Kevin Durant uh, bonded on the cruise ship during right. the 2016 Olympics. Um, tell us what you kind of learned from talking to those guys and, and the background of what of what happened there. Well, it's, you know, I, I went there thinking I'd, you know, Kyrie, when he was with the Celtics, had told me about these trips he made to the Bahamas with Kevin Durant. And they used to go down to the Bahamas in the summer and it was a vacation. But of course, they'd play basketball and work out together. And uh, Jason Tatum went down one summer, I think the summer before his rookie year, he got to go and be at the Bahamas with them and, and you know, work out with the them and play with them. At the time, I assume. Right, right. Same exactly. Yeah. Yep. So I was really, I wanted to hear all about that. And uh, and then I I started to realize okay you're wrong this isn't where this 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 Bahamas thing is irrelevant it's it's all about Rio and how these guys connected in Rio and DeAndre was the one that really sort of turned me on to that and you know the interesting part was of course Kevin and and, and DeAndre Jordan go way back he tried to recruit DeAndre Jordan to Texas as as DeAndre says in the story, when he lied to me and said he was going to stick around, which, of course, uh, DeAndre ended up going to Texas A&M. But they didn't know Kyrie as well, and, and Kyrie had come off that great shot in the championship when they got to the boat, and Durant had just always admired him, his his abilities, the way he played the game, and I think that's universal with most players. They really, you know, Kyrie wins all those player polls all the time about who has the best handle and all that kind of thing. And uh, so he was, you know, really kind of excited to be a teammate with him. And then they stuck out and got into their training before the Olympic Games started. And Kyrie had had a long year, long season. As you know, when you when you make it all the way to to the finals, it's it's a lot longer. You play, I don't know how many more games, Brian, do you play than than everybody else? Like, well, that year, <laughs> I mean, it's seven games. The um, right the the finals lasted longer than the Olympics. I remember that right, like a right like two days. Right. So so he was a little gassed. And he wasn't really given his all, and KD called him out on it. And as he said in the story, I called him out as teammate, you know, not not in a personal way, but as teammates. And Kyrie responded very well to it, and that that's when their friendship started. So one of the very last nights on the boat, you know, they're puffing a cigar, they're clinking drinks, and Kyrie says, you know, at some point we should do this for real. And Jordan asked him, well, what do you mean by that? He goes, we should try to all be on the same team. Now, of course, after that, they all went their separate ways. KD and um, DeAndre did go on vacation to Greece for a get- together for a week right after that. But then we know what happened after that. Durant went to the Warriors. He won two championships. Kyrie got traded. DeAndre, 
Dallas and then got there and said, oh, my God, why did I want to come here? It was such a disaster for both parties concerned. And uh, and then, you know, it, everything was aligned for them to be free agents again this summer. So they well, let me say in Brooklyn. Uh, let me say two things about that. Um, one, po- folks in the Cavs organization um, have said that even though Kyrie asked for the trade in 2017, that he first sort of indicated he wouldn't mind being moved, believe it or not, after they won the title in 2016. And they were able to, David Griffin was sort of able to put him off of that, whatever he had decided. But, you know, he, it had been been festering before, well before the 2017 trade request. So it's interesting that this same summer that he talked with those guys and talked about playing together in the future, um, right. that he had actually spoken to the Cavs a little bit about it. Um, secondly, part of the reason these guys are together is the Zika virus. <laughs> because... Um, <laughs> There was so much, you know, even though the Zika virus had mostly been contained by then, there was quite a bit of concern about Zika and quite a bit of concern about um, security in Rio. And that's why they, I mean, playing with the national team, you're going to always, you're going to always, you know, be close to them. You're going to travel with them and everything like that. But this team was especially close. I remember talking to DeMar DeRozan about it. Uh, DeRozan started the next year off on a tremendous uh, best play of his career with the Raptors. And I remember doing a feature on him and him telling me, like, you know, the, the security was so tight, they basically had him quarantined to the boat when they weren't playing. Um, and so um, that was a, you know, that, that kept them even closer together. And Jackie, in the story, you describe how they basically just sort of started, started palling around because they never left the boat when they weren't playing. So, right. Well, um, you know, that actually had a factor. There were pools, yeah, pools, saunas, place to eat, cigar bar. You know, like I said to Mina the other day on the podcast we did, I'm like, heck, put me on that boat. I'm ready to go to the Silver Cloud. Give me a week or two. Let's do some pods on the Silver Cloud. Sounds good. Who's yeah, let's do it for, for, sh- for sure. Think, Kirk, you free? Let's do it. <laughs> Nike, I think. Let's do it, man. Yeah. I think that's right. I like that idea. Yeah, I have Nikes on right so, now. Also, uh, and by the way, I also remember that like they they were so anxious to get out of Rio that as soon as they won the gold medal, they essentially got on a bus and drove immediately to the airport. <laughs> they didn't even hang out. So, um, so obviously, Jackie, there was a lot of um, reaction from a from a paragraph you had in the story about um, yeah. Kyrie's time in, in China, and everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about aggregation. Um, yeah. And this has been something that's been difficult and a big learning experience for me over the last probably five or six years. Um, and it's really changed the way that I go about my job because when I, when I have a 25 minute conversation with a player or I listen to a three minute interview in a scrum, I mean, we essentially aggregate what the player said. The player may say 700 words or a thousand words. And we take the eight or 10 or, you know, sometimes even less words that we find the most relevant to our story. We peel them out. We stick them in our story. Sometimes they're in context. Sometimes they're out of context. And I realized it's a difficult situation to be in. And I, and I, my eyes were opened to it because of basically what's happened since I've been doing podcasts. To a certain extent, it's happened in stories as well, but specifically in podcasts where, 
um, something will be sort of highlighted that doesn't, you know, it, it isn't always even taking something out of context. Sometimes it's just being, taking something and, and you sort of lose the entire sphere of it. And it's changed the way that I do my job because my frustration with being, having stuff aggregated about this podcast and about other things that I've done has gotten me to, to be more mindful of how I handle players. Um, because, uh, and I'm not saying that I'm perfect at it by any stretch, but it's caused me to be more mindful. And we had full-scale aggregation that happened with this story. And I don't even necessarily blame the folks who aggregated it, Jackie. I'm sorry I'm going on a soliloquy here. Um, but it completely took out the um, the essence of the piece, which was about the, the bond that these three guys had together. Um, all right, so I've said my piece, but basically you reported right. that while in China, oh, go, go ahead, I'll let you say, but I, I just wanted to say that, that, um, this is something that in, in 2019, in this era of media is a whole thing. And you end up getting players and teams and everybody else reacting to the aggregation as opposed to reacting to the story. And I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, well, it was unfortunate. I think it was unfortunate because really the whole tenor of the piece aside from the fact that these guys decide to bond together, was, you know, the Nets, Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson and the young players there, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and, you know, Jared Allen and Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, all those guys, they spent three years building something really incredible out of nothing, out of absolutely nothing. (laughs) Less than nothing. Right. And And it's an incredible, that's an incredible story. And so they built this culture, and the, and the premise of the piece was, okay, now you've built this incredible culture, but now you've added guys who have won multiple championships, who have been very successful doing it their way. How do you integrate them into what you're doing? You know, how do you tell, say to guys who have won these championships, well, this is how we do it? And that was supposed to be the essence of this piece, and of course it did get lost in all the noise about... Uh, and about Kyrie, and Kyrie's just such a lightning rod, and, and I should know that by now. I've covered Kyrie a long time, and uh, and he, he is a lightning rod. And, you know, I just never occurred to me that, that saying that Kyrie Irving is moody would be a breathless headline and a revelation. Um, so It's not, in, clearly. In, in the int- well, clearly not. And in, in the interest of not being aggregated again, we, we will not list the 50 or 60 or 100 other NBA players who have mood swings, okay? So, uh, but that's, that's what got latched on to. You know, he had a moment in China. He, he had them in Cleveland. I know he had them in Boston. And that's what everybody seized upon. And somehow it turned out to, well, you know, people that want Kyrie to fail were turning it into... Well, look, already there's problems. Well, they're not problems. They're, they're working through it. That was what the piece was about. How do we work through with these three large personalities, these two in particular, first ballot Hall of Famer superstars, how are we going to meet them halfway? And, you know, I mean, I have the coach quoted talking about that. Kevin Durant, I thought, was very eloquent the, talking the about that. The quote that Durant gave. The quote that Durant gave, basically, how did you set up the question, just so I have it correct? You said, uh, so, what did you, how did you say? He's an artist, that one. He's an artist, yeah, that, that quote. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. So I said to Kevin, I said, look, there were, you know, Kyrie has his moments. I mean, that's what I said to him, literally. I said, I've been around him a lot. He's a brilliant player, but he has his moments. And are you someone that can nudge him back, you know, back to getting himself back where he needs to be? You know, are you willing to do that? Are you, are you the guy that can do that? And his answer was... 
I'm not doing that. Kyrie's an artist. Yeah, he is like, I don't I want that. I have great respect. Well, and I think his point was, like, I have great respect for him. I don't know, you know, everybody gets to game time a different way. How he does it, to me, I'm 100% behind him because he's a brilliant player and he's my brother. And that was, again, the whole thing, right? This brotherhood that the three of these guys have formed, they're betting on the fact that we're always going to have each other's backs. And it's clear to me that all three of them at different points in their career did not feel their teammates had their backs, right? I mean, we, we just had a little thing with um, some little news with Durant today in an uh, interview he did with Stephen A. Smith admitting that, you know, the, the um, interaction he had with Draymond Green, the little, the little tiff with Draymond Green did affect his decision to lead there. So I think these three guys, DeAndre Jordan, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant are counting on really backing each other up. And when things go a little awry, to turn to each other and say, I got your back. And, uh, you know, DeAndre was joking with me about Kyrie coming back to Boston, which I think the first time is the night before Thanksgiving. And, I, you know, they're going to they're gonna destroy him. They're going to boo the living daylights. It's going to be awful. I'm never comfortable with that any time. Well, he only and played, DeAndre's, I think, in Cleveland once. Right, right, I know that. In two years. He, 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 he well, didn't even come so everyone, to, like, the, he, yeah, he didn't even come right, to Cleveland. Right. He would stay home. And people, and people in Boston are saying, oh, he won't come. And I'm like, yes, he will. Because, you know, Kyrie's a... He, he marches to his own drum. I fully expect it, but DeAndre was like, don't worry, dude, I got your back. He said, but I'm going to warn you, it's going to be bad. And then he was telling me how, remember the first time he almost went to Dallas, uh, remember, and the, and the Clippers locked him in, literally had him, held him hostage in his house till he re-upped with them instead of going to the Mavericks. So he said, I never played one minute for them. And when I first came back there to a place I never played in the first place, you know, I was on the front page of the sports pet section, a picture of me with red horns coming out of my head. And they were all telling me to, you know, I was a bad person. And, and, you know, in fact, DeAndre told me he even needed to talk to a counselor about it because he's like, am I really a bad person because I didn't go there? And so he said, I know what this is like. And I said, Kai, you think it was bad for me. You told these dudes you were coming back. So he was joking about it, you know. Well, Kirk, I, I have I've come up with a with a thing with Kyrie. I'm, I'm really going to try and I've been doing this for a while now. I'm really going to try to not pay attention to what Kyrie says off the court and only pay attention to what he does on the court. I think I'm fast getting there with, with Kevin Durant too. Um, I just think the best thing for all parties is to just focus what they do in between the lines because um, they're kind of all over the place outside. And, and look, we all have our, uh, we all have our bright spots and our, and our downsides. And I'm just not sure that the way those guys tend to say things is always the greatest, but um I think that would be a good idea for the Nets fans to adopt that as well. That's just my, my two cents. Yeah, I think I work with Sean Marks um, with the Spurs, and I, I had a chance to, to work with Team USA in 2016 as a staff member. Um, I didn't go to Rio for some of the same reasons that, that a lot of the guys didn't go to Rio that you alluded to, but I got a chance to, to be around Kyrie and that team. And There's no question this dude is one of the most talented basketball players on planet Earth. And and many people have said it before me that he's one of the best watches. If you just go to an arena and watch him play, it's spectacular. He destroyed us at the Spurs single-handedly a couple times. 50-point game. Oh, he had that 57-point game in in, uh, San Antonio. I think it was like March of 2016. I'll never forget it. (laughs) It was incredible. like When Kyrie gets going, it is a special scene, Uh, just like they did. Uh, in his home debut. Um, and that was against the upstart Minnesota Timberwolves here. Um, but it doesn't always work. Um, and 
You know, Sean has built this culture, and Jackie did a fantastic job of sort of illustrating that that conflict between the sort of starless culture that had been built from the ground up, um, now meeting and interfacing with the reality of superstar NBA players. It doesn't really matter that it's Kyrie or Kevin to a degree. Um, of course, it does uh, because they're they're different than other stars. But just this team had a brand; it had an identity. Um, that didn't involve star players, and now it does. And I think, really, that's the crux of the conflict. How does this organization now sort of ingest these two leaders and go forward? Um, and, and that's not easy to do, and, 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 and Sean would admit that, um, and, and I think the players themselves would admit it, too. Uh, but, look, the, I'm worried about this team on the basketball court. They're one and three. Me, too. Uh, they now play Houston. Uh this weekend with a back-to-back at Detroit, and then they have a home game at New Orleans. And then after that, here are five games I want to read out to you. They are on the West Coast at Portland, at Phoenix that now looks good, at Utah, at Denver, and then they finish that road trip in Chicago. Um, there's a really good chance this team is something like 3-7, and 2-9, um, and nine, something like that. And then, as I think we already alluded to, Heading into Thanksgiving, they have two games in a row against the Celtics, sort of a home-and-away situation. They go to Boston the day before Thanksgiving and then come back. And, you know, if you look at their schedule, the way they're constructed right now, um, I don't think there's a lot of easy wins there for them in this key early stretch of the season. And I think it's fair to question how they will react, how Kyrie will lead them through this stretch. Um, And, you know, I think the one thing that Jackie's piece fairly outlined is it's it's legitimately questionable whether Kyrie can lead this group yeah and I think uh, that's one of the things that I thought all along I, I while I congratulated the Nets on their huge coup I thought that the transition they were going to have was very difficult and the guy that I think it's going to fall hardest on is going to be Kenny Atkinson um, because he is the guy who is going to be tasked with keeping all these balls in the air and keeping all these players happy so It'll be definitely something we'll be talking about more. Um, Kirk, you mentioned the Timberwolves. Uh, suspensions came down. We're recording this on uh, Thursday evening. Um, suspensions came down tonight. I was about what I expected. Um, a little surprised that Ben Simmons didn't get anything, even if it was a mild fine, uh, for um, you know, putting uh, putting Carl Towns in a chokehold on the ground. Um, they deemed him as a peacemaker. I I understand that he kind of broke it up, but um, I don't. That surprised me, um, uh, Jackie. Um, I, I don't think there's much to say. I, I think you know it, it reminded me of um, the scene in Major League where uh, you know, Ricky Vaughn had given up the grand slam and hit the next guy in the back. I think Carl Towns had kind of had enough of Joel Embiid, and he you know tried to do something about it, and Embiid was willing to go, but I don't think it's going to be a material thing that happens that changes the course of the season or anything. No. I think those two, I don't think this is anything new, honestly. I was at a game last year in Philly when Jimmy Butler was playing against, Jimmy Butler was playing against Minnesota, I think maybe for the first time he was traded. I'm, 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 not, I'm not great on my dates, but they, they were playing head-to-head Carl Anthony Towns and Joel in that game. And Joel likes to really, he, he said it himself, he likes to get in people's heads. And I think he particularly likes to go after Cat for whatever reason. And, uh, and you know, Carl 
is oh, he's such a sweet kid. Always, that's right. What everybody says, right? He's the sweet kid. Not this year. I'm telling you. I saw him, and that's who the Brooklyn opened with. I was there when um, Carl was there. He's got a little bit of an edge to him this year. He's you know playing away from the basket. Um, Kirk and I have been talking a lot about big men and the death of the post up and. Carl Anthony Towns is one of the few guys left in the league who was doing a steady diet of that, and now you see him this year, and he's 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 coming out and he's shooting threes, and which for every big man in this league who wants to survive and thrive, it's a good idea. Incredible star, you know they were undefeated, and I think there was a lot more riding on this game for Minnesota than maybe we all realized. When you're a young team and you're trying to establish something, and I think that probably played into this a little bit, if I had to guess. Well, I'm actually kind of very intrigued. I think two Western Conference teams that my eyebrows have gone up on are Phoenix and Minnesota. I'm not sure that I I think either of them is going to make the playoffs just yet because we're very early here. But um, I see material changes in both. And when it comes to Minnesota, uh, Kirk Gerson-Rosas' influence has already impacted them. Now, under Tibbs, which is old-school basketball, we know, they were an old-school kind of team. I think they were in the bottom five and three-pointers attempted. Um, before Tibbs, uh, Sam Mitchell coached them, and he was sort of the same way. I, th- I think they were dead last with, under Mitchell. And here they are this year, I believe. Um, and we're still early. One team can have a sort of a high-volume game and jump 12 spots or whatever. But Minnesota, I believe, is in the top five or six or seven in the three-pointers attempted per game, and Carl Towns is at the forefront of that. Um their game is modernizing before our eyes under a completely different coach and a completely different front office. Yeah, I think Towns is legitimately an MVP candidate. How about that? I, and I wasn't saying that a few weeks. Well, you just think. you just got Joel Embiid's uh, back up with that comment. <laughs> Joel Embiid, the world's largest uh, Patrick Beverly impersonator. Um, <laughs> the, he does. We, we can't we can't have this conversation without talking about what he does to Andre Drummond. He he looks at these rivalries at the center position. Uh, and he he wants to not just beat them in the game. He like Jackie said, he wants to be in their head, um, and he he gets there. Uh, the Drummond stuff is phenomenal too. And, and suddenly Sixers Pistons games become much watch TV, and the next Wolves Sixers game is going to be must watch. Uh, but, he uh, but, he was oh. even messing with John Collins. Now not that John Collins even ever needs to be guarding him, but he had a big, you know, John Collins was on him in that game they played in Atlanta last week, and. Um, he was flexing on John Collins, even though John Collins isn't a center. But, you know, he tried to guard him a few times and he bullied him. So I don't think it matters who's against him. I think he looks at it the same way it, it, with no matter who it is. It's kind of refreshing in an era where all these guys, like Jackie's story with the 2016 team, where all these guys want to be best friends. Uh, it's kind of refreshing for those of us that grew right, up in the 90s. Right. that There's this, this dude in Philly who just wants to troll everybody and push them around. Like, I love it. Uh, and Embiid has the talent to back it up on both ends of the court. Um, and he's winning most of these matchups, uh, whether it's against uh, Towns or Drummond or, you know, Collins or whoever we're talking about that night. But, you know, you could have done a to, mini document. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kirk. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say back to the Wolves. I think, look, they have a lot to be encouraged of early in the season. I think you're, you Gerson changes the culture there. Uh, Saunders gets another crack. And I think the players really like him. Uh, and then between Covington and Teague and Wiggins, like they can, they can play pretty well on both sides of the ball when when everything's right. And if Towns is playing like this, um, you know that's the kind of centerpiece they could contend. Like the Suns, I think that's the other team that could crack into the eight. I think it's really hard to crack into the eight in the West right now. 
Um, but right. well, you have a spot to... opening up, which we'll talk about in a minute. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, right. But, uh, but I think you, me, you know, when I was watching them, when I was watching Minnesota, though, Brian, like just the one thing I've always wondered about with them is leadership, you know, in the in the in the locker room, because Jimmy Butler was clearly not the kind of leader they were they responded to or certainly Carl Anthony Towns didn't. And, and while Carl Anthony Towns has always been a guy that the players like and look to, you know, from what I heard just in the couple days I was around them. Um, Covington has made a huge difference in that locker room. You know, he was hurt all of last year. They didn't get much from him. But I did look it up while we were talking just to give people an idea through the first four games, and that is a small sample. But I do believe this is the way the Wolves are headed. Carlton E. Towns is averaging three-and-a-half three-point attempts, eight-and-a-half three-point attempts a game, and he's shooting 52.9% from the three-point line. Think about that. That's why Kirk's saying this dude could be an MVP candidate because we already know he can post and do the other stuff. Well, I'm looking at, I'm watching the way they responded to Wiggins. Now, Wiggins hasn't, Wiggins has been Wiggins early on, but they are responding to him. not percentage, but scoring. Right. Yeah. You know, he's been, you know, underwhelming, you know, puts up decent totals, but not Mm -hmm. decent, not good efficiency. But Wiggins has had a couple of games where he's helped them win, where he's made some late plays. And I've, I've watched how the team is really embracing him. You know, and yeah, um, exactly. you no, know, the vibe is great. It reminds me of Denver. When I, I remember when I walked into Denver's Denver's gym last year, I was like, "Wow, refreshing, young, hungry, like each other, working together." That's what I felt when I walked into the Minnesota locker room. And uh, I got to give a shout out. You know, I have to do this to my boy Jake Lehman, who, uh, for those uh. of you who've listened to the pod, you know this. I grew up with Jake's mom. The famous McCoy sisters, great family from Westwood. They were all amazing basketball stars, including his mom, Claire, who played at Maine. Jake is averaging 24 minutes a game for those for those guys. He's, he's one of their really important reserves. And that and was an interesting a great move. You know, uh, he was restricted, and Portland um, let him go to Minnesota. They, they're pretty sure they just, let, they just took the, the uh, qualifying offer off. Yeah, uh, kind and of did it was, was solid, um, and he's interesting sitting the in Pistons, there. by the way, for Jake, too. But I think this is a great place for him. Uh, he's with a young coach that wants to spread it, 3 and D, you know, give these guys some freedom, give them some confidence. They, they really believe in Ryan, these players. They really do. Hello. No one is available to take your call. If you're an NBA fan and you need a watch or you want to upgrade your watch, I think it's pretty simple. There's really only one choice, and that's Tiso. They're a Swiss watchmaker, one of the best that you know makes those great timepieces that are beautiful on your wrist and they're big fans of the NBA. You can't watch an NBA game without seeing Tiso timekeeping because they keep track of all the time and they do that because they're great at it and because they know what they're doing. And obviously when it comes to their watches, they've got stylish, trendy and innovative looks that'll be great on any wrist. They bring that performance and style to the game which you see as you uh, watch they have that super accurate timekeeping to, the, to those uh, games. The NBA trusts them. You should trust them too. Tissot prides itself on precision and style of its classic sport and contemporary collections while committing to make excellence accessible to everyone. And they've got great variety from touch watches to sport to classic to trendy. You can shop their latest timepieces at us.tissotshop.com and, of course, at Jewelry Stores Nationwide. It's a major brand that you should look into. You can follow hashtag ThisIsYourTime and Tissot.us on Facebook and Instagram 
for more information about TSO. Hello, no one is available to take your call. But speaking of the the gap, the, the opening in the West now, um, I'm not sure in my lifetime following the NBA, which basically the first NBA finals I watched as a kid was um, Rockets, um, uh, Rockets Celtics. What was that? Eighty five, Jackie. Eighty six. They played them in eighty, um, eighty one, and eighty six. So I don't know which one. Okay, no, eighty six. No, eighty six no, was the Lakers. Eighty one and eighty four. Eighty one and eighty four. Eighty four. That was the, the first. Okay. That was the first time I remember watching NBA basketball. Um, really, I didn't really become cognizant of probably till about eighty six, eighty seven. But no, I'm sorry, I'm in wrong. that span, excuse me, I'm I'm all mixed up. Stop, I'm going to stop myself. Nineteen eighty six, they played the Rockers in the finals. They played the Lakers eighty four and eighty five. That's right. Nineteen eighty six. The eighty the eighty six finals 86. I watched. Yes. Um, so in my in my time, that's you know thirty some years. Um, I have never seen a team that has uh, been more breathtaking than the Warriors were, especially 2017 mm. Warriors. Um, right. Right. The the Spurs in the 2014 Finals, that slice of time, Mr. Goldsberry, was as good as I've ever seen, but the Warriors as a unit. So they have reached the highest high that I've seen in NBA basketball, in all basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, in a span of six games, if you six real games, you know you're gonna, you know, not include the preseason. Um, they lost three Hall of Famers to injury, and you know two of them very serious. One of them they'll never get back, and they also, of course, had the Cousins injury, which I don't, you know, it's not in that same six games, but you know, relatively close to that. This is a team that had such fortune. You know, they did they they made a lot of smart moves. Of course, they made their own luck, but they had such circumstances go their way to go to the top of the mountain. I've never seen a team get hit like this um, after never seeing a team come together like this. Jackie, it's hist- I mean, we're a little, I think, desensitized to it because we're we're so the, the Durant and and Clay injuries are you know somewhat in the rear view, but it's it's absolutely freaking historic. That they would suffer these three injuries to these three players in t- such a s- small span of time. Well, and and you really have to add the fact that their best player walked away. Let's start with that because really that's right. what you have to think about. Kevin Durant walked. Yeah, they, they lost him forever. They lost him forever. Forever. Yeah, he's he, never coming yeah. back. Yeah. And it's interesting. I've watched them. Um, it's like watching a bad car accident. Um, you want to turn your head, but you can't, and because you can't, you can't. It, it's just. Was it you, somebody that I respect a lot, maybe you or Ramon or someone was talking about muscle memory with this team, and they've lost their muscle memory. You know, Steph and Draymond, they remember what to do, but the rest of the guys are running around going, wait, how does this work? Because guess what? I haven't been here. You know, Jordan Poole and, I mean, Willie Cauley-Stein hasn't played for them yet either, you know, and Kevon Looney hasn't played played for them yet. He got a cup of coffee in the game that Steph got hurt, but yeah. Oh, he did? Okay. I didn't didn't see that, but... I mean, Kirk, some of the lineups that the... Yeah. yeah, some of the lineups that they've they're had last. out there—they're—they're they're not the Warriors. And, dead last. Yeah, they're not the—they're no, not the not, Warriors anymore. No, it reminds not. me of that but Spaceballs the, scene, you know, when they—they—they they, the, they catch the stunt doubles. You know, you idiots—you've captured their stunt doubles. <laughs> Very good reference. Yeah. Oh it my God! Hold on, I'm gonna—I'm go- gonna pause. I'm gonna pause. <laughs> this podcast has a major league reference and a Spaceballs reference, and I know a lot of our listeners are younger and they don't know, but. God bless you, Kurt. Kurt. 
when you when you go watch baseballs, uh, yeah, there's the classic scene where they capture the stunt doubles. It's a great Mel Brooks bit. Uh, but I feel like the guy, casual the, fans, the guy smoking the cigar with the uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, princess. It's, it's the princess, yes, oh, with the mustache. Uh, great Halloween uh, reference too. Uh, look, you go in. I think casual fans walking into this beautiful, brand new arena, uh, expecting to see this dynastic team, are watching the stunt doubles. They're watching Omari Spellman uh, with the cigarette or the cigar. You know, you got Jordan Poole, Glenn <laughs> Robinson the uh, third, D'Angelo right. Russell, Kai Bowman, Jacob Evans, Marquise Chris. Who are these dudes? These are not the guys uh, from the dynasty. It's just been remarkable. And to your point, yeah, I said like in their last 10 games with somebody else today, that same thing. Can you believe this one team has seen these players get injured in about their last 10 games of competition? And, it's, and it's I remarkable. keep seeing people so, saying like what they should do to fix it. Oh, they should sign Mello. They should sign. Like, here's what you don't understand. Oh, stop. Stop. I don't care. I don't care if um, come up with a play. I don't care if uh, tomorrow uh, Giannis Tenacupo got released and was available. They literally can't sign anyone. They have three hundred thousand. You know, when they traded for, it's a really fascinating thing what they did. And I, and I know life was coming at them very fast, but the decision that they made to go out and get D'Angelo Russell, and maybe it will pay off. I'm not saying it wasn't worth it, but. It cost them. Now that now they're, it actually is going to, only going to end up costing them one first round pick because they're going to be so bad they're not going to have to give up one of them. But they traded two first round picks. Um, they took on players that they had to pay to get rid of, and they hard capped themselves to do that. Um, the Angelo Russell trade. They had to give one to the Nets to do to bring Russell in, and then they had to give one to the Grizzlies to offload Andre Iguodala to make the space to do it. And, and instead of going out and finding maybe a couple of other players that weren't as good as Russell that they may have been able to acquire, um, they had to go that route. So, so long story short here, they only have $300,000 that they're allowed to spend for the rest of the year. Okay? So, like, if they wanted to sign Carmelo Anthony, like, let's just say they wanted to sign Melo. Let's say they, they worked Melo out and he hit 37 straight shots from three-point range and they had to have him. They literally could not sign him now. They don't have the money. They, they can't sign a player to anything more than a 10-day contract until March under what they've got now. And they can't even sign guys to a 10-day contract until January because that's not when the 10-day contracts start. Now, right. they could trade they also, a player, but here, here's the problem. They can't, you can't, all the they players they signed. Until January. Well, yeah, you can't well they can't. They can't January. Right, and they can't trade any. Like, like you know, let's, 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 let's say they wanted to, like, trade um, – you know, Alec Burks or something to create a little bit of space to sign a player. They can't trade him till December 15th because they just signed him. You can't trade a player you just signed till December 15th. The only guy that they could cut to make room is Chris. And they're so banged up at the big man position. He's playing minutes for them. <laughs> you, you know, you'd be right. You create a hole where you try to fill one. So like this is who they are and, and they're going to take. 50 plus losses and maybe 60 plus depending on when they decide to bring Steph back. And um, that's just the way that it is. Yeah, but okay, so that's all true. That's all true. But Draymond's for now is fine. Steph will come back and Clay will come back. And let's just let's just play this out. Let's say they they lose and 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 they end up with a really high draft because I believe that that Nets pick was top 20 protected. So as long as yeah, they're, they're, they're the not going to have to give that up. They're not going to give that pick up. So you you might get a really, I mean, 
whoever thought that we could even be talking about Golden State adding a lottery pick to their to their arsenal. And let so now you wait. So this year, let's agree, this year's a disaster. But next year, you come back with Draymond, you come back with Steph, you come back with Clay. Maybe you have D'Angelo Russell. Maybe you don't. Maybe you have a very high lottery pick who turns out to be a great That's player. Right. And this goes back to the to the conversation about culture, guys, and what you built. And I believe Golden State's culture is real. I believe what Steve Kerr and Bob Myers have done there is significant. And the way they play, the way they train, the, the, the togetherness. You know, Steve comes right out of Pop's playbook in so many regards. And so I believe in their culture. I believe in them, what they can do this year, no. But next year, I don't think we'll be having this conversation. Kevon Looney, I still said, was this, one of the sneaky best signings of the offseason. And it, it, wasn't, it didn't get much attention. I think we haven't even seen, he hasn't even scratched the surface of how good he can be. I really believe that. No, I agree. I think the, the analogy here is like Michael Jordan's going to go play baseball this year. Um, but he might come back next year, and this team could just pick up where they were. Um, and whether it's with a new lottery pick, a couple other vets that want to come join this group, because that culture is a uh, its a major pull factor. Free agents, guys at the end of their career that still have a little, uh, they want to be in that group. Um, they want to play with those dudes. They want a chance to play for a championship. And nobody's going to tell me that a team with a healthy Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, um, as its core and Steve Kerr, uh, isn't a contender. Um, uh, they're a contender immediately if those three guys are on the roster. Um, and I think Jackie's exactly right. This is, this is a year off, uh, for, for this team, but when they're, when they're back at full strength, look out west. They, they demand the respect. And all those like, guys are signed. Up, like, but suppose, yeah, Two. suppose they end up yeah. with the D'Angelo ball or something. I mean, how hilarious would that be? <laughs> it would be so funny. The Angelo um, Ball, you know? Yeah, the Angelo Ball is available. They, they could sign him right now. He's available. You talk about LaMelo. Yeah, LaMelo Ball, <laughs> no. sorry. I, don't, I, try I, I, to, should, I try not to think about I, the balls I, I as very much at all, but now I have to because one of them is really, really good, and he's on his way. So. I, I will say this. Um, I've been keeping an eye on his statistics, and look, I'm not watching the game, so I don't know, But because everybody was so excited about him. Mm-hmm. They, there was actually NBA teams that rushed scouts to Australia to see him because they were afraid he was going to shut down his play because he was going to ice uh, a top a high pick. I don't know if he I don't he started the week. I don't know maybe he's had a game where he's made 8 out of 10, but he started the week 7 of 37 on three-pointers. So he's he's cooled off, but um right. Um yeah, there's I mean the, the of difference other guys too. Yeah, there's plenty of other right, the difference between like what what happened to the Cavs when LeBron left um is that you know like you said this is just a pause it's not an end and and not only that but they got clay resigned they got draymond resigned so those mm-hmm. those three guys are um are uh, are elge are you know are are locked down now one thing i will say that's 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 a little bit interesting and i i can't see them doing this but i'm just going to i'm just going to point this out i was talking to um, uh, a league executive about this uh three about 3 days ago before steph got hurt he said to me, you know what's funny? Um, the day that they actually signed Draymond Green to his extension. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, when you sign a player to an extension like Draymond did, you can't trade him for six months. And for example, when Bradley Beal signed his extension, you couldn't trade him for six months, even though he just extended. And so Bradley Beal can't be traded this season at all. Come hell or high water, he can't be traded. But Draymond signed four days 
before the six-month window for the trade deadline. So they couldn't trade Draymond until February 3rd. I think the deadline is February 7th. And I don't know if they did that on purpose or it was just happenstance um, or whatever, but there is a four-day window that they could consider. Now, I don't think that they will because I think that their their, their thought process is exactly what we've just talked about, both of you, and that you know you hit pause, you try to get a good draft pick, you see which one of these, some of these young players, to me what I think they will do, by the way, is um, they'll offload a, um, a player later on um, who makes a little bit of money and maybe starts signing young guys um, to try to test them out, try to find a player or two. But um, technically, Draymond, with that four-day little window, could be traded, which um, huh, just stick it in your back pocket. Hello, no one is available to take your call. We are going into one of the best parts of the year in sports. Um, we've got uh, big-time football games coming up. Uh, obviously, November is huge for college football, and then the bowl season after that. Big NFL uh, games, um, and then, of course, we've got the NBA going, and you know, you're going to have Christmas Day games coming up. Um, lots of teams, uh, very exciting, and... You know, there's a lot of opportunities, no matter where you are in the country, to go to great live sports. And especially in the fall, there's a lot on the line. And when you decide and you pick out a, a, an event you want to go to, you got to get tickets. And I'm going to tell you um, exactly how to get them. Vivid Seats. If you haven't heard of them, Vivid Seats is an online ticket marketplace that's dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. Obviously, it's much more enjoyable to go see your teams in person. And of course, you don't just want to have to do it for sports. If you want to go watch artists perform or go to a Broadway show, um, you can use Vivid Seats for that as well. And they have this loyalty program where you go to the Vivid Seats app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. And you can get all kinds of good things, including um, credit back on purchases made there. Vivid Seats helps fans find their seats to any of their favorite live events, as we mentioned, sports, concerts, theater, and more, with that app. You go on to the App Store or Google Play, download Vivid Seats, and you're automatically enrolled in that Vivid Seats program. And this is what's most important, I think, for me uh, when I learned about Vivid Seats. All of their orders are confirmed and backed by 100% guarantee. You don't have to worry about anything. You buy there. You can buy with confidence. You're going to be taken care of. It's a good company. They, they handle hundreds of thousands of orders and have hundreds of hundreds of thousands of happy customers. And when you go on there right now, if you enter promo code ESPN25, that's ESPN25, you get 10% off your next order. What's wrong with that? So go now to Vivid Seats and head to the game. Hello. No one is available to take your call. Here's what I'm curious about, though. So we know that even, you know, almost everyone knew Durant was leaving, right? And so we knew that Golden State was going to have to fill out their roster, right? We knew that, too. So this, so Kendrick Nunn, who's been, who's been great for the Miami Heat, wasn't he on their G League team? Like, how did he get away from Golden State? All right, I have the full the story whole, here. The whole G League scouting apparatus. Uh, I think it's fair to say that he, he slipped through the cracks. Um, but, okay. you know, there were there's some off-the-court stuff that some teams uh, saw and didn't like. And um, Okay. But, okay, you know, so here I got the Kendrick Nunn story. You know, well, Brian's got um, the story, Jackie, so. Okay. So he, you know, he was I'm at, curious about he was, he was at Illinois, so he was a high-major recruit. 
he left Illinois. Um, there was a, um, a, a, a charge, an assault, I believe. Um, and it was a he said, she said situation. Um, very unfortunate. He, I believe, pled guilty to a misdemeanor. Um, left Illinois, and that is obviously on his record. Um, he went to Oakland, where he, Oakland University, outside Detroit, and lit up the, uh, is that the Horizon League, or the, um, is it the Summit, the Summit Conference, I think? And, uh, but went undrafted, a little undersized, 6-2, you know. Um, I talked about this a little bit last week. Um, so the, the, the Warriors signed him, sent him to the, to the, to the G League. Now, Different people tell different stories here. Some people say that this was an agreement um, that was sort of made wink, wink before the season. Other people say that it was just, you know, the decision of the coaching staff, what have you. But they did not start him, and they held his minutes down a little bit. So he averaged 20 points a game off the bench. He only made one start coming out of um, Santa Cruz. And also last year, uh, Kirk, who is the, the center that they ended up drafting in the second round? Um, Eastern European, uh, player. He's, uh, he's injured right now. Uh, the Warriors. The Warriors? Yeah, the Warriors. Well, Warriors were playing a little bit of, a little, a little, uh, bit of Similatch. Uh, God, that's not it. Um, it begins with an S. His, his, uh, name is Alan, A-L-E-N. Small, small, smell a lot. Smell, I'm just looking at it. Alan, S-M-A-L. A G I C, Serbian. Okay, he Island he Smelagic. Smelagic. He he played for the uh, the uh, the he, he was sort of doing his gap year. He played for the Santa Cruz Warriors last year. They kind of kept him sheltered a little bit. They traded into the second round to to pick him yeah. and retain him. It was sort of like a little. Um, we'll promise you in the draft. Don't work out for anybody. Blah blah blah. And they look like they were trying to do a little bit, a little bit of maneuvering with Kendrick Nunn. Um, is this too much G League talk, Kirk? Or are you loving this? No, I love G League talk. Okay, I know you do. Not um, enough G League so talk. They didn't. They didn't start him. Okay, even though he was like one of the leaders in points per minute, and they kept his minutes sort of under thirty. And um, they never signed him to a ten day contract because they were afraid of showing him. I think to the league. And hmm. three days before the end of the season. Last year, the Heat, as you may remember, cut Rodney Magruder to save right. on luxury tax money. A crime dog. Yeah, and he gets he gets immediately grabbed by the Clippers, and they extend him. And I thought it was a really strange thing to do. They were they. It looked like they were not going to make the playoffs, but they hadn't been mathematically eliminated yet, and they cut a guy just to save money. And look, it wasn't the greatest look for the Heat organization. I'm not going to lie. But that, but that was with three days left in the regular season. On the last day of the regular season, they swoop in and grab Kendrick Nunn, pay him five thousand dollars to to be on the roster for one day, so they didn't come anywhere close to luxury tax. And they they gave him a three year deal, one of these deals where they barely pay him at all the first year, and then they give him a partial guarantee. I don't know for sure who in the Heat organization uh, made this happen. My guess is it was Adam Simon, who is one of the long-standing heat front office folks who goes out and finds guys and they've been very successful in doing this. Uh, Chet Kammerer um, is another one of their scouts. So he's partially retired now, but um, you know, finds these guys. So the same week that the heat in my mind were at their worst, which was pinching money. Um, they were also at their best, which is finding uh, un- undiscovered players and they pull Kendrick Nunn out. He's makes first team, 
he all he could always score. He he he. I think he scored over thirty points like six or seven times in his one year at Oakland. Um, and uh, now he's scoring for the Heat. I know it's a long winded story, but Jackie, if you wanted to know, now you know. And I do. Not know. only that, he's under a great he's well, under I'm a great contract, and that's that's the story. I saw him in uh, Vegas. You know, he looked great. You know, like you go to Vegas, and I don't know what I'm watching, but he stood out <laughs> to me. So anyway, I don't. I'm you know, you, people run up and down the floor, and you're. Your head spins, you know. It's, it's it's remarkable because he's not just some guy who's starting out of. He's their leading scorer. He's he's their featured scoring machine. Yeah, you know? and, yeah. and this is they run the plays best. for him. <laughs> they, they, yeah, they're running plays for him, and this is one of the better. He's teams starting. In conference he's starting season. ahead of Dragic, and they're running plays for him. The, their whole roster is hilarious to me. You know, Silva's out there playing, banging people around. I mean, Tyler Hero's shooting. Yeah, I mean, they're, Duncan they're Robinson is a Duncan yeah. Robinson yeah. is another uh, guy that they've found and is getting minutes. I mean, this is what the Heat do. Yeah, and that's like, what they do. In right. this in this era, I think the Heat. This is like what they're sort of getting getting off on these days. They they're in an era where they're not doing so good with getting stars. Now they did get Jimmy Butler, but um, they've been whiffing on stars. But this is this is what they've been doing, and um, um, you know, this is this is how they're working. Um, but yeah, so uh, there is an open uh, spot for a Western Conference playoff team. We're going to have new blood. <clears throat> I think it's too early to really know for sure who's going to take it. But um, we're going to have new blood. That is for sure. There are some and, interesting um, candidates, though. Yeah, I think Dallas. It's not going to be. Uh, it's, I don't think it's going to be the Kings. But yeah, Dallas for sure. Dallas and Phoenix can. appear to be the ones that Phoenix was on nobody's radar. Dallas was on some no. people's radar. Um, Let's give but, Monty yeah, some think, credit, huh? Let's give Monty yeah. a little love, right? Monty you know, the Williams. Mavericks are interesting, though, because, like, you look where the Mavericks are now, and it's not because of Porzingis and Doncic, really, at all. In fact, it's because of, like, DeLon Wright and Jalen Brunson and guys like that, mm-hmm. truly. So it's not – they're not – They had nine believe, players scoring double figures the other night, I think. Right. Eight or nine. But, like, yeah. I don't believe they're what they're going to be, right? I mean, you know, we, we think of Rick Carlisle and the kind of teams he, he coaches and their defensive mind, and this team certainly has not fit that mold at all. So interesting. They're, they're an interesting the, team. The other thing that's I also course, interesting about them, they have assets on the roster where they could make uh, a move. You know, they're yeah, deep, sure. and, and, and other than Porzingis, all of their guys are on movable contracts. Uh, unless I'm and, you forgetting know, somebody. And, and it's funny. I was listening to someone the other day kind of rag on Porzingis, and I'm like, look, dude, everybody gave Gordon Haywood all this leeway after his major injury. This kid hasn't played basketball in a really long time. And, you know, I don't think it's time to, to make a de- any determinations about Porzingis yet, my goodness. That's, That's a great point. Nobody, yeah, Gordon Hayward definitely got that treatment, and he deserved it because right. it was a major, he major did. injury. Uh, yeah. But yeah, nobody right. has said that about Porzingis. Um, that's yeah. a great point. Let's give him he a deserves little, a, give him yeah, a little slap. Him a time. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, that was uh, that was enjoyable. Thank you, Kirk, and uh, we'll give you double McMahon next week, maybe to, to make up for him um, <laughs> being with his daughter. It was my fault again, my fault, and he and uh, I was late, and he is with his daughter uh, trick or treating. Thank you, Jack. As he should be. All right, guys. Have and a great uh, week. thank you to Troy, who is uh, spinning the dials in Bristol, and thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective. Have a good weekend.